Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Truth For Your 20s podcast. This month, we're talking about mental wellness, and I have with me my new friend, Jessica Hoddle. Jessica has so many incredible just truths and some wisdom in this area, and I just couldn't wait to have her share some of this with you. So without further ado, Jessica, say hello. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's so fun to be here. Yes. Okay. So Jessica, can you just kind of give our friends a little introduction about who you are? Of course. I have been married to my husband for almost four years this June. We met on eHarmony. Oh, cool. I'm a three-time author, best-selling author. I'm a speaker, a coach, and I just really love helping women weigh less, and that's in quotations, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And just seeing the chains being broken and so that they can be led into freedom that Christ has provided for us. My name is Katie Bulmer, a former heartbroken and hungover sorority girl. After I stopped looking for love in all the wrong fraternity boys, God blessed me with a husband who shows Christ's love to me every single day. We are parents of two daughters and thousands of others nationwide, and my heart behind everything I do is to give you truths. The world is screaming at you a bunch of lies, and I don't want you to hear those loud voices. I want you to hear the true voices. Grab your earbuds, grab a chai tea, and let's talk about some truths for your 20s. Hi, my name is Ava. This is your Truth For Your 20s podcast with your host, Katie Bormer, my mom. Enjoy listening. Three books, my friends. That's exciting. Tell me about your first one. Well, they're all they're all based on worth. So the first one is Know Your Worth. And that one really started. It's it's kind of like my baby book, I guess you could say, because yeah. I that was when I was really coming into who I was in Christ because I didn't know Christ until I was roughly 21, 22. And so I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't have any kind of background, like none, zero. So uh, it was about four years into knowing Christ. And so I kind of consider it my baby book, meaning it was this identity of coming into truth and what it looked like. So I was acknowledging my worth because I, my third book is own your worth. And that's all about kind of walking in the truth versus just acknowledging it. Like, okay, I know God's word says this, but how do I live it out? And so know your worth is really about recognizing these areas of my life, whether it was my childhood, I take you through my childhood, my fitness business, my uh, ministry and dating and giving my body to men and just all these different topics that kind of started this journey of really what does it mean to live and to know our worth and walk that out? Oh, okay. I think you just hit on some trigger points that all of our young friends need to hear more about. And I love it. Worthiness, like you need to tell me all the things. <laughs> Fitness and dating. And I and you wrote three books that have a lot to do with all of these topics. So okay, first just bring me to your, you know, college age self, we'll say. Is that a good starting point and like how you came to be what you're doing now? So if we if I think about my twenties, I think about kind of this, I feel like we're, we spend our 20s def- defining who we are and really trying to prove ourselves in the world. And I had come from a childhood that was not healthy at all. And 
I didn't understand what love was. I wasn't shown what love was. I was never encouraged. I was never like, you need to do this. And, you know, it was more of wait till you get older and you see how hard it is to be older, you know? Mm-hmm. And I came from this place in childhood of much lack, you know, basically this poverty mindset, you're always going to be poor. And so I kind of, my parents had gotten divorced when I was 18, right after I graduated high school. And I was kind of homeless, meaning I was living with my best friend at the time. And then I ended up moving in with my cousin who had four kids and a dog and like, oh my I goodness. was kind of all over the place. And finally I had a full-time job. I had had it since I was 16 and she's kind of like, you know what, Jess, you need to just get a house. And I was like, what? So she kind of just encouraged me. So at the same time I found the Lord, I had bought a house and started my online fitness business. How old are you at this point? I was roughly 21, 22. Wow. And so it was kind of this, I grew up really fast, you know, as an, as a young kid in high school. I mean, at 16, as soon as I could start paying for my lunches, I did. And that leading into my twenties, when we make those promises, when we're a kid, you know, those promises you make to yourself or those moments that are like, I'm never going to live like that. You know, at least that was for me. I had these promises to myself that I was trying to fulfill in my twenties. Like, Jess, you're always going to have this. You're never going to be in lack, which led me to striving. And so it led me to giving my body to men so that they could tell me that I was pretty and worthy and valuable and love me. Please love me because I just want to feel something. And then my fitness business, it was look at my body so I can get attention so I can have this fleeting feeling for a moment of wow, you're so pretty, right? And it just, that doesn't last. And I found it in my business. And so I was striving to get the approval of, you know, people on my team and I wanted them to think I was smart. And so I tried to go to college once and I just didn't feel smart enough. And I was like, okay, I just need to drop out. And then I I probably mid to early twenties, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back. This is the time. I'm so much wiser now. <laughs> and I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna do this. And I had was two years into my online fitness business after working full time. And so I was building a business on top of full time. And finally I was like, what am I doing here? Like I just was forcing myself to go get a degree or a college thing, whatever it was, so that I could prove to people that I was smart and so that they would take me seriously. And that mm-hmm. really led me to where I am today of all these idols that I had in my life that I thought were going to fulfill me and never replace the spot that Jesus was like, please just, hello. <sighs> you know, he's like waving the red flag. He's like yeah. hey, over here. And which is why I'm so passionate now of fitness and health and healing and all those things, because they were weighing me down and I needed to experience healing. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is so good. So take me back. Cause I think I missed a step where you were, you, homeless to starting a ministry, I mean, to starting your fitness business, to becoming a Christian, like where I missed some details. <laughs> Unpack that for me. <laughs> yeah. So I, my my parents and I, you know, we lived together until I was 18 when they got a divorce. And then my mom had moved into this really tiny apartment. I have a brother. And so it was three of us living in a two bedroom apartment and super small. And the childhood I had where my mom was more of you know, emotionally abusive. And I know that she was hurt too. Like there was a lot of things in her own life, which bled into, you know, us as kids. And it was just this emotional back and forth and manipulation and just all of these moments where 
it was just breaking me down. And my best friend and her dad was like, you're coming to live with us. And so my brother was heavy into drugs and alcohol and things were happening with him that were very scary for me and hard for me to see. And so they're like, you need to move out. You need to come live with us. And so I was kind of this girl searching for somebody like this home to feel safe in. And I'm so thankful that, you know, my best friend at the time and I still keep in contact with them, loved me so well and provided all the things and I would still go to work. And then around 20, it was time my cousins like, just come live with us. And so I lived in the basement of my cousin's house with my other cousin. So I was sharing a bed with my cousin, younger cousin, and just showing up, going to work. I would have my clothes like hanging on this clothesline in her basement. And that's how I lived for a couple of years or at least a year or so. And then that's when I bought my house, found the Lord and started my business at the same time. Is that wow. your timeline? <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. I just was like, wait, wait, I need to know some more details. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So now because of all of this background, which is very interesting, by the way, you have a very interesting story, fascinating, and you get on fire to like help other women find their worth. Did the book come first or I know you're podcasting as well. How did you get into that space? The books definitely came first and it wasn't something that I ever really saw myself doing. I was always, I mean, I was terrible with grammar. I I really hated school. Like I just wasn't somebody that enjoyed school. And I think that was just because I was so disconnected from my home life and things that were going on. And I mean, I would always get C's. I hated reading books, hated them, especially novels. Ugh, don't give me a novel. And I don't know. I just started writing. And with social media, I'd always wrote like Instagram posts or these short blogs and I call it a year from hell. It was my worst dating year ever of me trying to force myself on men. And I was just reaching for anybody to love me. And that was the first chapter I ever wrote, which is like chapter 10 or so in the book. I can't remember off the top of my head. That really started this idea of I just started posting on Facebook of know your worth and you know, don't chase after him and stop stalking him and stop you know, like all these things and it was a hashtag at know your worth. And it was just like this all these women were just coming in and being like, tell me more in a sense, you know, yeah. and that is really how the birth, um, the book had birth was this desire that women were like, me too. How do I stop stalking him? How do I, you know, live in worth? How do I leave this relationship? How do I have a godly relationship? How do I meet a godly man? Like all of these things. And which led me into a worthy wife, which is all about singlehood and dating and proper dating and communication and questions to ask and boundaries and all of those things. And so that is really the book came first, but I mean, social media, but then the book. And then it was like everything kind of started to bleed into this idea of let's set some women free. Yeah. Oh, this is good. Okay. So I love this topic, especially because when I get the opportunity to speak to sorority women, I talk about a few different things. Obviously my keynote is like how sorority girls can change the world. And we talk about like my marketing background and how they have huge trend setting power over the marketplace, but where every time I get to the dating part, I promise you, you can hear a pin drop in the room (laughs) and like the girls who maybe, you know, they were there because it was a mandatory event or whatever. They like sit down, whatever else they were doing. And they're like, 
OMG, like, how did she know? And, and they, cause I'm talking to, I was that girl too, looking for love and all the wrong fraternity boys, not knowing my worth. And when I, I talk about this subject, I've had multiple girls afterwards tell me they've ended toxic relationships because they didn't know their worth. Yeah. So with you even being much more of an expert in this arena, writing three books on worth, unpack for our listeners, like what does it mean to find your worth and how can girls stop being in these toxic relationships? Mm. It's a lot. It is a lot. And I think it depends on where the person's coming from because you can be raised in an amazing home and this need to maybe please your parents and go get that college degree and get all the A's so that they can be proud of you. You know, all of that can still bleed into this desire for a man to approve of you. Yeah. Right. Like it doesn't matter what your background looks like. There's always a spot that Jesus is like, come to me in. Right. And So it's really easy that when things seem to be out of control or you seem to feel that that lack in in your heart is that we need to understand we're not searching for a feeling. And that was really pivotal for me is – your worth and I, your worth is placed in an identity that's in Christ. And so the the shorter that you can reel this in of I don't need to feel worthy, I actually it's a response to know that I'm a daughter of the king. It's a response. It's not it's a way of living. And so for me that was really huge because I think many of us once I get married then I'll finally feel like I arrive, right? Or mm. I see all my friends getting married and having babies right out of you know college or they're dating in college. And what about me? I feel like my timeline is behind. And this whole idea that the world puts on us of timelines, babies, all the things can make us feel unlovable, unworthy. Why doesn't somebody want us? Why doesn't somebody love us? What's wrong with me? And all these things kind of come in. And that is where the, the strong idea of, okay, I don't have to be tossed to and fro, but I can still come from this place of identity because my worth is not a feeling that I'm searching to embrace. I'm not waiting to feel good to show up today because I can come from a place of knowing what his promises are and what he already says. So just like changing that foundation, basically, instead of looking for temporary, you're pretty, I like you this weekend, which is so, you know, like building your house on sand, as they say, right? Then coming to a more solid foundation, I guess is what you're saying, right? I mean, that is definitely one of the first steps, but it's, it's, sometimes it's a lot deeper than that. It's understanding the root of why we need the attention. Mm. And so for me, I didn't know when I was doing that, why it was so important to me. I didn't know what it meant to be pure or to ask to for that, like go into repentance with the Lord to be pure, you know, after having sex at a very young age for 12 years or so plus before I I decided like, I'm not doing this anyway, anymore, because the way I was doing it my way led me to heartbreak, yeah. led me to idols, led me to just my all time low. And for me, it was I needed to get to the root and actually heal the places in my heart, forgive people, which I still walk that out to this day. That really hurt me. I mean, I dated a sociopath wow. and that was hard <laughs> to wow. come out of. And that was in my year of hell. And it was just these this idea of I need to actually get to the root of why I'm trying to find my worth and identity into something. 
you know, we can't just, I always tell people, you can't just put Neosporin on top of the Band-Aid because it's not yeah. going to work. And that's what we tend to do with our Christian faith. We just kind of put the Neosporin on. So we put God's word on top of the Band-Aid, hoping that, you know, it's going to heal itself. And God's like, no, I'm actually the Neosporin. You can get rid of the Band-Aid, <laughs> you know? And, but we do that because we're like, I'm so busy. I don't have time, all the things. But those two are the biggest things is you have to be in the word to know who you are, but we're searching for everybody else to tell us who we are. Yeah, totally true. Okay. Uh, you talked about this a little bit, but knowing your worth in dating, I feel like if we recorded an episode every day until the end of time, it still would not be enough voices of how I don't know if our culture has just taught so many lies or Cinderella or whatever you want to call it, but we, yeah, so many women are looking for a guy to tell them they're worthy. And I did it. It sounded like you did it. So many girls I mentor did it. I'm actually mentoring a girl right now in a different country. We're doing that through this app and she's talking about how he is, he was not good for her. I mean, everyone saw it. He treated her poorly, but she still wants so badly for that to be restored because of that heartbreak. And so this is not just an American thing. This is not just a you and me thing. So many women are looking for love in the arms of a man. What could you tell are, if you could tell your younger self and the people that are in this situation, like, are, I mean, I'm sure there's not like a two-step process, but is there anything that maybe you can just kind of help them to, to figure this out? You know, one of the first things that keep coming to me is standard. You know, we will negotiate our standards very easily yeah. just for a moment of satisfaction, which tend to leave, you know, shame and guilt the next morning. And for me, when I really started, because I had um, a spiritual father and he's still in my life today, but during that time I worked with him for five years, it was like this truth over and over. He's like, what does the Bible say about marriage? What does it say about a man and a woman, their unique roles, how they come together? How is a man supposed to treat a woman? How is he supposed to honor a woman? And I didn't have those standards until late twenties, you know, pretty much before I met my husband. And I had to be brave enough to know I would rather be single than negotiate the things that were important to me. Because what I had started doing was I was like, I want a godly man. But then I'd meet a nice man, quote unquote, who didn't really know the Lord, didn't care to know the Lord and was listening to music, going to bands, going to bars, but he opened the door for me. Yeah. You know, and so I would negotiate thinking he's a nice guy. Even though deep inside, I'm, deep inside, I'm like, this isn't going to work. But I would rather feel something than nothing. And mm-hmm. so it's that whole idea of we're afraid to be alone because we think it's a curse. And we think we're going to be single forever, especially if we stand in courage of knowing that place of the Father's heart for us. Especially if he's already placed that desire that's that's a promise for you then. Like you can hold on to that. You don't have to hold on to the random guys. You would save yourself so much heartbreak if you just asked the questions from the beginning. To the guy? Yes. Yeah. Like, and get your- you know, what are your priorities? What's important to you? And there's there's so many different scenarios, like you said. And I talk a lot about it in my book, A Worthy Wife, but you have to be put in different situations where, for example, you hang out together solo at a restaurant, but then you need to see how they are around their family. 
then you need to see how they are and treat you around their friends. Because I met a lot of great people. I was dating the, the sociopath. He was really kind to me in front of his parents and he was kind to his parents. But as soon as we went out, quote unquote, to the bar, I was non-existent and he was talking to all the other girls. Mm. And so I needed, you need to see how they are and if they're consistent with their words, with their actions and not just their words. And so he went off to the bar paying attention to other women. Did you make excuses for him? Oh yeah, totally. Because he he would, since he was like a sociopath and manipulator, he would tell me that it's my own delusion and I'm being Mm -hmm. jealous and insecure. I I mentor so many girls that are in that boat and then, and then they question, Oh, well maybe it is my fault. And maybe, maybe I shouldn't worry so much. Maybe I'm a nag and a, a perfect relationship. And well, I shouldn't say perfect because there's no such thing. But in a healthy relationship, you're not questioning if he's talking to other women. That's not even, he's making it so clear that you are his one and only and vice versa. And put it in that insecure position. That is not the way we're designed to do relationships. Like not at all. Oh, no, absolutely. And and when I started to actually, and that's really when the maturity in Christ comes. When you start to read his word and you start to really get an idea of this is what he has for me. It was like when I stopped viewing men through the lens of my pain is when things changed. Mm. I mean, somebody needs to retweet that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that is like, that is huge because that's often what we look at guys and we're hoping that they'll change. And I did that all the time. It's like, you know what? I can see the good, but you're not looking at who he is right now. And you're looking at him through the pain of loneliness or the pain of the past relationship. Like, I mean, when I talk about I had trouble with relationships, I had a guy lined up before I broke up with the next one. Wow. Yeah. And that was because I was afraid to be by myself. I was afraid to be alone. I was afraid that I I was in love. I just needed that like constant validation. But I was viewing dating and men and all the things through that lens of pain, especially from my childhood and the lack of the father's love. And that is really where you know, the Heavenly Father had to come in and just like really start to clean out some stuff. Hey guys, you know me, you know, my marketing background makes me super passionate about the dollars we spend and the impact we make with every single dollar, which makes me so stinking excited to talk to you guys about solo eyewear. They are really cute eco-friendly sunglasses. So they're kind to the environment. They're kind to your eyes. And guess what? Every time you buy a pair of these sunglasses, you are helping to restore sight to someone who might not normally get the opportunity to have an eye exam. Like with a pair of sunglasses, you can do all of that. Holy cow. You, my truth for your 20s friends, get 20% off with every purchase of solo eyewear. So the summer's coming up, you're going to need a new pair of shades anyway. Might as well get some help restore sight to someone who might not normally get the opportunity to have an eye exam, change the world, buy some cute glasses, and save 20%. Just head on over to solo eyewear and use promo code truth at checkout. So you dated, obviously, some not star citizens, we shall say, (laughs) had some toxic relationships, a sociopath to add just for good measure. Talk to me about that. Uh, Obviously, I love that quote. When I stopped viewing men through the lens of my pain, things started to change. But then you met your husband. Tell me about that. 
I had I remember very clearly in my in in my because I I moved to Pennsylvania about two hours away. My husband and I had met on eHarmony, and I remember in my Ohio home, my first time I ever bought, and just looking out the window, I was in my robe, and I just remember, you know what? I'm gonna be okay. Like hmm. I'm okay. Like I had this moment because I was the Lord was really working on me that year, right? Like many relationships, many all these terrible things happening, and and it wasn't like God was doing this to me. Like I was putting myself in this in these situations, and I just you know I had this moment. I was like, you know what? I'm okay, and I believed it. Like I believed that I believed, and I had this moment. And it, I swear to you, it was about a month or two months later. I met my husband on e- eHarmony. And we, when I say we interviewed each other and it's like in our wedding vows and in our video and we talk about it all the time, but I got to a point where I said, listen, this is what's important to me. These are the standards. These are the things that are kind of my non-negotiables, right? And then everything else can kind of like blend, right? Like you can kind of mix in because I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not looking for a perfect man, but I am looking for the non-negotiables. Yeah. and that was really what we did. We spent 25 hours that week before we even met on the phone. And we were just asking questions like, how would you handle this? And communication and, you know, politics, everything. Like, I'm not a huge politic fan, but we talked about it. Like, how would you handle the situation? Like, all of these questions. I want to re- remain pure. How do you feel about that? You know, and just uh, unleashed it. And then we met in Pittsburgh for the first time. And he put me up in a hotel and I brought my best friend because I was like, I don't know who this person is. He could be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So my best friend came and she was like there for support. And that's kind of where it took off. And, you know, we basically connected almost instantly. And I had brought a lot of insecurity into the relationship, especially in the beginning of I didn't feel good enough still, you know, and I had to walk that out and goodness gracious for his patience and kindness. But it was then I, and it's like now I'm to the point where, you know, my husband said to me, he's like, Jess, if something happened to me, I know you'd be okay. You know, meaning he knows that he, he knows I love him so much, but he also knows where I stand as far as with God, you know, and it's just, it's taken me 10 years plus to get there. You know, yeah. especially after finding the Lord. So this was not an overnight process for me. It doesn't have to be 10 years for you, which is why we're talking about this. You can stop it. <laughs> no, you can stop it now. I listen to a lot of podcasts like on business and stuff. And so they always say, you know, this took me 10 years, but I'm teaching you. So it will just take you weeks or months. And basically, yeah, that was a long process for you. But we're telling, this is what this whole podcast is about. Truth for your 20s, stuff that I wish I knew when I was their age. So Yeah. yeah. I think this is great. Uh, I have to point out, you said you had some non-negotiables and I love this because this is like what I preach all the time. I have a dating plan on my website and it's just like, I don't know, I think 10 questions of what matters. It does, is it super important that he opens the door for you or do you not care? Is it super important that he has high integrity with what he watches on his screens or do you not care? Like just a few things that are non-negotiable versus not. Like I, I love it that you had some non-negotiables. Mm. Yeah, and that was kind of and I think non-negotiables like you like you were just listing have to be characteristics. Yeah. You can pray about a guy that's six two or whatever. Like I really did want a taller man. Like that was <laughs> something. And my husband 
I was like, I wanted a six foot man, and he's like five eleven or so. He's like, Jess, I'm six foot. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> barely. But those things are kind of just they're so fleeting, anyways. But you yeah. need is he a man of integrity? Is he a man of his word? Yeah. And mine was, does he believe in God? Like, does he want to go to church with me? And does he? This was important to me only because of my past history was, does he have a sustainable career? Because I was dating guys two in a row that I stayed with for two years that actually had lived with me, obviously not at the same time, but <laughs> that's good. And they didn't even have a checking account. Mm. Like I was successful online business owner, basically supporting in a sense, they were working, but they didn't have a, like a checking account or a card. And so that was like important to me. I was like, this is non-negotiable. Okay, we're yeah. not doing this anymore. And to some, that sounds so ridiculous, but you got to know what's non-negotiable to you, you know? And so those were just a few things, but definitely integrity and God, church beliefs on that end was just really important. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'm like over here, it's like clapping qu- quietly so I don't mess up the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I want to switch gears into, you know, you talk a lot about worth, which I like think is amazing, and your worth in fitness. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounded like at one point, fitness kind of was an idol, correct? But then you kind of switch gears and now teach women how to find worth in, in a healthy way mm-hmm. with fitness. So tell me about that. Yeah, I was, so with my fitness business, I was definitely the one, if you totally creep on my Instagram back like four years, that was showing all the skin. So I was in sports bra. You know, the I always tell people those Nike Pro shorts that like a lot of CrossFitters and stuff love to wear, which I have nothing against them. But me personally, I was like, how do people work out in these? I just feel like they're going to ride up my, you know, undercarriage at any moment. And I can't think about my workout, but I would wear them anyways because I thought, okay, this is going to be inspirational. Let's do this. People are going to love me for my body and it's going to grow my business. And it really became my idol. And then I hit this pivotal moment where the Lord really showed me that I had put all of who I was in what I weighed. Mm. And it was this fear of gaining weight because, you know, people kept telling me that wait till you get childbearing hips and wait till you get older, you're just going to put all this weight on, you know? And I was like, gosh, that sounds terrible. (laughs) You know, it was just these fears that people kept speaking over to me that I, I mean, that I took as a fear. And, I really started to put all this idea of if I looked good, then I would appear to have it together, even though I was slowly dying inside, meaning exhausted, tired, worn out, just everything you can imagine, especially just tired. Like every time I'd work out, I was just tired. I wanted to nap and didn't have the energy, but I was showing up with this good looking body and it really became my idol. And then slowly the Lord was working on me and he just was like, you don't need to show your body to have a good testimony. Hmm. You know, your body is not the tool. And that is really what I use it as. It was a tool for men. It was a tool for my fitness business. And I no longer wanted to attract people that were only inspired by the way I looked because I had a different message than that. And, you know, that's not to condemn anybody else. That is just to simply say, I want other people to see something different than a perfect physique or the idea that I only work with certain clients or that you have to look like me as the end result. I love what you said that 
you know, people would say, well, just you wait till you have childbearing hips or whatever. I I spoke about that on an episode I did as well. It's true. Like, I don't think people mean harm when they do that, but so many older women will come up to younger women. Well, just you wait till you have kids and just you wait till your metabolism slows down. And it scares. Yeah. It scares us into, you know, starving ourselves and exercising to exhaustion. And so stop doing that people. And it's so death speaking too. Like I now knowing what I know now from the word and how much scripture talks about the words that we speak and the spirit leads to life and the flesh leads to death. And I think a lot of that is a lot of people speaking out of their own insecurities, you know, like I gained weight, so you're going to gain weight too. And it's really hard because we don't know that person's story about why they're coming. And like you said, I really genuinely think they mean well, but their words are so like death speaking that it does almost cause this fear in us. And we can see how lies like that lead to destruction, which I'm so passionate about lies and truth is why I created the podcast. What's the truth? But it's this idea is that lies really lead to destruction. They lead to fear. They lead to worry, which is really what all these words that kept being spoken over me, you know, really began to add up and hurt me. So tell me about your fitness business now. What are you doing with it now? Now it is. So I I do partner with an MLM. I partnered with them for 10 years, but I say partner because I use tools that they provide, but really I walk women through this process of food freedom and helping them heal their bodies And what does God's word say? So everything I do is gospel centered, even though I partner with an MLM company and that's really important to me. And so I really lead them to truth with their bodies. I don't make them have certain meal plans or anything like that. It's what can we do for you in this season of your life where you can show up, be obedient and do what the Lord has called you to do and really helping them get a healthy body image, be set free from emotional eating and walk through this process of healing. That's awesome. And so you do this through like what mediums? How, how can people get a part of what you're offering when it comes to that? So I do everything, you know, through social media and through an app that my company provides through that. But in, and then of, of course, all the gospel teachings and everything is through me, whether it's video, audio, all of that I provide, but everything's either on a platform, emails, social media, things like that. So this is so cool. So not only getting healthy in your mind, getting healthy with your body and all at the foundation of what gives us worth through Jesus, like all of that together. I think that's so cool. Yeah. I love, I love spirit, soul, body together. And when we can understand what it means, spirit, soul, body, and how each of those parts of us affect us, it can really change somebody's life around and addressing that. And what is when we you know when we talk about scripture and being a new creation, it's like we were literally transformed into a new creature because of the spirit in us. But we often look at that scripture and we'll go, yeah, but my whole life didn't change. I don't feel new, you know, but it's because the spirit in you changed. And now you have left behind that old body, quote unquote, that needs to be renewed to the truth that's inside of you, right? And so our soul becomes the gateway of whether we partner with the spirit or the flesh. And if we partner with the spirit, then it bleeds and leads right into the flesh, right? Which brings life into our body. And then if we partner with the flesh, we cut off the spirit of the truth and we just basically live out of our flesh, out of our feelings. Because what you know, people say, just follow your heart, which the word never says to do. Yes. (laughs) 
Yeah, tell about that because that is a common misconception. They say follow your heart, but what is what does scripture say about that? What's the truth? Well, when we when we look at the scripture, it always talks about the renewing of your mind, taking your thoughts captive, think on these things, um, the fruit of the spirit. Like all when we when we go to the word for those things, it is so evident that he's concerned with the thoughts that we think because. It's, I mean, it's amazing how we made our bodies because he knows that that's going to lead to feelings and emotions. Yeah. And so when he tells us to renew our minds, to take our thoughts captive, to not be worried, to not be fearful, to not be anxious, he knows that there's thoughts that's going to lead us there. So he's reminding us over and over and over again, think about what you're thinking about. Yeah. And I think that that is just a short example of some scriptures, you know, that are so important that we kind of grasp and- you know, there, it even talks about how the heart can be so deceit, deceitful and wicked. <laughs> and Great. I think that's in Jeremiah. And that's important to understand, you know? So that's where that comes from. Yeah, no, I love that, that you mentioned that scripture because it's true. People say, oh, follow your heart, which looks cute on a t-shirt. But yeah. feel, uh, I've said this before, but feelings are leaves, meaning like, on a tree in the summertime, they, they overpower the tree and they become huge. And it looks like all you can see is the leaves, but they're temporary. And in the fall, they're gone. And then, and then sometimes like your true self is the only thing that's there. But then in a new season, there's new leaves and there's new feelings. And so feelings are so temporary. And so the same saying goes to follow your heart. Well, right now you feel these big feelings toward this guy or whatever, but that is, is so fleeting and your heart can, can be deceitful and can be lying. So yeah, instead renewing your mind and focusing on truth and worth is way better advice. <laughs> yeah. Cause your heart could feel sad. And so yeah. why would you want to follow your heart? that feels sad because if you follow that emotion and really lead it out, what is that going to lead to more of? Because a fruit, a seed can only produce after its own kind. And so if you're feeling sad, every decision you make from there is going to be a sad based feeling. You can only grow what you sow. Yeah. Is that right? Is that, is that right? Yeah, that's another good one. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're planting sadness and planting worry or whatever, then what do you expect to harvest? Like worry and sadness. Mm -hmm. So you coach a lot of women in this fitness arena and in worth and in scripture and teaching them worthiness in all different forms. Do you have any like maybe success stories or someone who has gone through your program or just a cool story in that arena? Yeah. So I have people that definitely, of course, lose weight. And that's kind of, I feel always the it's not the end result, but it's a byproduct of the stuff that we work through internally. Because if we don't change the way we view our food and our workouts, then we're only going to repeat the cycles over and over again, right? So you can't change what you hate. Yeah. So if you're just hating on your body all the time, you hate the food that you eat, those things aren't going to be sustainable, which is why women often say, you know, I've tried everything and nothing seems to work. And I hear that a lot. And I'm like, mm, yeah, well, let's go back a little bit because- how you view what you're about to do matters because the Lord is about the heart posture, right? And so when I get women inside of my coaching groups and my healing groups, to me, it's, yes, we're going to move our bodies. Yes, we're going to go through a nutrition course and, and all those things. But most importantly, we're actually going to work through what it is that you're experiencing. And so a lot of my biggest transformations are from people that say, I have believed this lie for so long and they're putting their foot down no more. And then they begin to actually, cause I talk about how we have to renew, reframe, and then nurture. Cause this whole process of renewing, you have to nurture over and over and over again. 
and understanding that so that it can be transformed into a new, you know, neuropathway, which goes into brain science and neuroscience and all that stuff. But it is important for me. And so, you know, women believing the lies that, you know, one had confessed in one of my healing groups about how she believed, like people were telling her that her grandpa had died because of God basically killed him because of his sins. Hmm. And there are these, so many of these lies that women keep believing. And so when I say even spiritually way less, it is these doctrines that people are coming out of or, you know, being hurt in the church that they get to heal from. And so weighing less and spiritually is a lot of that transformation. And so seeing that happen is just, to me, one of the best rewards, because when they can see the lie and embrace and start to walk out the truth then they get a different lens that they're looking from, right? And so when then they can look to their food differently and approach the, their idea of food not being all or nothing, their body not being, oh, I didn't work out today, then I just might as well give up. It's this, now we can express this kindness and compassion to ourselves through this process because now I'm on a path to growing and learning a different way and I'm on a new path to his truth. I wrote down renew, reframe, and nurture. That's good. Okay, so what, can you walk you through like maybe a very common lie? So say I am sitting here telling myself, you know, I'm not good enough. Um, boyfriend, obviously not me. Like I'm talking about maybe one of my 20 year old friends. Boyfriend just broke up with me. I feel not worthy. How how would you walk them through that renew, reframe, and nurture? So I would look at it as so what's we have to address the lie. Like the acknowledgement of it first is so important because we can just start saying I'm not worthy and go into a spiral without ever actually realizing what we're doing. And so I think the first step is acknowledging that you're having these thoughts because they're so subconsciously programmed, right? Like our our minds and our bodies are have just been programmed to think that because we were born into sin, right? Mm-hmm. And so we do have to acknowledge them. But when we think about renewing, we have to then embrace the truth. And so a lot of that means for me, an example of I had to ask myself, what's the reality of the situation without the emotion? Mm, that's good. And that was able for me to help reframe the situation. So say I went on a date and the guy didn't call me back or he's just like, you know what? This isn't working for me. Instead of me going it's about me and I'm not worthy, I can reframe that one to God's truth that I'm already chosen and seen and then also reframe it in a sense of, okay, maybe we're just not meant to be and that's okay. Meaning he and I, it has nothing to do with how worthy I am. It has nothing to do with how how worthy he is. It just has to do with the fact of our priorities are not the same. Our non-negotiables are not the same. And that's okay. So it's take it's creating the space between the reality of the situation and the emotion that we attach to it. So and so that good. you can begin to reframe it. And then it's that nurturing process. So then maybe you go on a date again and this happens. The same thing happens. You can begin to nurture it. And even if you're not on the date, you can still walk down your college campus or walk down the street and just say those truths over yourself. Because what happens is that your body begins to reframe the old stories, right? And it is a process that you walk out. And there's healing and there's layers to the healing. But it, it's this constant idea that we don't just read a scripture once and just become 100% changed. You know, we don't just read something once or say something once in our minds and expect to just have all these amazing feelings. It's this truth that we get to stand on 
daily within our hearts, regardless of the things that we see or experience. And that is what faith is. It's not living by sight. It's living by faith. And that is the things that we do not see, but we know are true. And that's the whole process kind of, hopefully that helps of the reframe, the renew and the nurture. Yeah, no, I love that. Okay. So first of all, recognizing it, you're telling yourself you're not worthy, like pointing that out because we can, we can play those negative tapes in our mind and not even realize it. Yeah. So pulling it out, renewing that, reframing it, saying, no, you know, it's not that I'm not worthy that he didn't call me back. It's just when I'm meant to be. And then, and then nurturing and that nurturing those positive, positive things you're telling yourself, is there an example, or maybe I'm, um, woo-wooing this, but like a, a mantra or something that you encourage women to tell themselves when it comes to nurturing that worth in their brain? Is that is that a thing? Well, the most, I mean, honestly, it comes down to scripture and truth. And okay. so uh, you have to get to the point of going in the word and him showing you maybe certain things that you can hold on to during the season. Um, Ephesians 5 it's Ephesians 5, I'm pretty sure. Gosh, I should know. Where it's all about how a man treats a woman in a marriage. I hold on to those scriptures for like for dear life. You know, like that was what I stood on in my dating and what I compared men to of okay, this is how men should be. Okay, this is how I should be. You know, because we both have a role to play. Yeah. It's not about this hierarchy, you know, thing. It's God gave us both roles and responsibilities and duties of how a man take care of a woman and all of those things. And I just held that scripture to my heart. And so that's a perfect example of there are these truths that we can say to ourselves to nurture us into that kindness. You know, if I look at it in fitness, when I nurture my heart, so I'll say, you know, because people have a really hard time combining faith and fitness together. And one of the easiest things that I will say to myself sometimes is, Jess, you are made for hard things. Mm. When I'm moving my body, I'll just say it like, when it gets tough, I'm like, Jess, you're made for hard things. But another one I'll say is, you know, Father, when I train my body, train my heart so that I'm not thinking about how I'm looking or the calories or whatever, but that I'm, but that I know, Father, when I train my body, I train my heart. And that means I train my heart for the good things. You know, my body is healed and I walk in that. And so if it's a relationship, you can still even quote those, you know, I hate to say cliche things like I am chosen and stuff, because sometimes I feel like that's superficial without it kind of can get fleeting, although it's the truth, but even like a deeper understanding of those, those couple things that you can continue to say to yourself as you walk out this process. And of course you don't have to do it alone. You know, I had a spiritual father that helped me walk through so much, but have a friend or somebody that you can actually, cause I had people that were like, just get out of this relationship, get out of this relationship. And I didn't want to listen to them. And it caused a lot of, uh, strict, what is it? Friction in our relationship. And they're finally like, okay, I can't give you advice on this anymore. Cause you're not listening to me because I couldn't see what they were seeing because I was seeing through my pain. And so it's important to have those people around you, but having those kind of phrases in those moments that you, that not some huge long thing that you, you forget, but having those sweet moments where it's like, okay, I know I'm already chosen and seen, you know, the father rewards those in open who he, he knows in secret, right? Like those things that you can kind of hold on to that are promises that it's not about the reward, but the promiser. Mm. Yes. God, so much truth to this, Jessica. I just have loved 
everything. I hope that the girls, I love what you just said too, about just having those truths that we tell ourselves. Like there's so much goodness in this. I can't wait to share this episode with everybody. Um, when it comes to recommended resources, can you point us to your books and anything else that you can recommend to people that might be listening of how to get in this worthiness? Yeah. So of course the Bible, but even just getting into a small group or something like that, where you kind of go a little bit deeper or even in your own study, challenging yourself to read a whole book of the Bible from the beginning to the end, right? Like in James or Matthew, Mark, whatever. And getting the commentary and really going deeper into that. But, of, you know, of course you can grab my books or I love the book also Try Softer by Andy Kobler, I think her name is. And that one really walks you through in a very easy to understand way of what's happening in our body and our brain when we're experiencing or have had trauma in any kind or need to heal from past you know, wounds. And she really explains how to walk that out. So that's a really good book as well to understand our pain so that we can understand our worthiness as well. Well, don't be shy. Tell us the name of your three books as well. That's awesome. Uh, Know Your Worth, A Worthy Wife, and Own Your Worth. Lots of worth. I love it. (laughs) And where can we find you on Instagram? Jessica Hoddle. I'm pretty much everywhere on social media as Jessica Hoddle. So, but I love to hang out on Instagram the most. Well, your feed is beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. So this is called the truth for your twenties podcast. So we like to close by asking guests, if you could have coffee with your 20 year old self, what would you say? I think the biggest thing is to be kind to yourself as you grow. And I wish that, you know, in my twenties, I had more compassion and kindness on myself Mm -hmm. versus constantly beating myself up for not hitting a certain status or a certain body shape or, you know, I just, I feel like if we can look at ourselves with more compassion and kindness for the things that we've experienced and not live in shame and guilt and to receive what Jesus did on the cross for us fully, knowing that we can come to him with repentance and all of those things, I just think we would look so different. And so if I could just go back there because I was in so much pain. And so if I could just have more compassion and kindness towards myself, toward the people that caused me pain, things would just look different. Perfect. I love that. I would have told myself that too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Jessica, thank you so much for being here. I think that you just give so much wisdom and helped unlock so many people from lies and help replace that with truth. So, So thank you so much for sharing that with our friends today. Thanks so much for having me. If anything resonated with you, it would mean the world to me for you to just take a screenshot of this episode and put it up on your social. Every time someone does this for me and tags me at Katie Bulmer Life, I happily reshare it. And you guys, I was just looking last time I did this. There was like 50 sticker taps for the person who shared it. So you guys get some Insta love. We help this podcast to grow. Everyone wins when you help spread the message of something you loved on this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing with your friends. I hope today that you got some truth for your 20s. Hey, my name is Hannah Boomer. Thanks for listening to my mom's podcast. Bye. (laughs) and our work here is done